Thank you for downloading the Grove City Vineyard Sermon Podcast. Enjoy today's message. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. We're almost there. We're almost there. God, carols and candles tonight. Yeah, I love that service. Got Christmas morning on Wednesday morning. Don't be late for that. It's a short service. But it's a great time just to come together, you know, between that space of time when the kids break the toys and you go to grandma's, you know, you need a little buffer there. Come on and join us Wednesday morning, 10 o'clock. We've been walking through the Advent this week or this uh, month as we join the rest of God's church around the world and just walking through step by step closer and closer to the coming of Jesus in the manger, which is what Advent means. It means coming. And each one of these candles has a specific significance, and we've looked at them each week, and we've heard that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For unto you is born this day, right? Right? And we know that Jesus came to rescue us from our confusion. We know that Jesus came to rescue us from our weakness because he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. We know that he came to rescue us from our obscurity as he just picked Mary out of all the 300 million people then on the earth and just made her into something special because of her profound obedience and the invitation that that creates for every single one of us that God wants to pluck us from our obscurity and make something important and significant out of our lives. And of course, we know that Jesus came primarily to rescue us from our sins. Yes, this is the big message of Jesus. Amen. To rescue us from our sins and that by his perfect life, his voluntary death, his powerful resurrection, his ascension to the Father, he not only carved a way for us to go to heaven, but he created a way in which we can be restored to the Father through his perfect blood. This is why he came came for us then, and he's come for us now. And this morning, I'd like to complete this Advent series by pointing out from one of the passages that he came to rescue us from routine. <laughs> he came to invade our routine and rescue us from re- routine. Would you pray with me, Lord? I thank you for this church. It, it just surprises me every Sunday, Lord, that they come. It's such a delightful gift that you give to me that these seats have people in them, Lord, and you have drawn them, Lord, because they haven't come for me. They've come for you. They've come in the hope, the promise, the assurance, the experience of of encountering you. And so, Lord, I invite you to come as I share these words that I believe you've inspired me with, Lord. But if a single one of them is not inspired, would you cancel it? Would you erase it? And would you take whatever words proceed out of my mouth and would you translate them specifically to the ears of each person here so they could hear the message that you have for them today, Lord. Personally, lovingly, powerfully, intimately speak to each one of our hearts as we surrender it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Amen, church. 
Hey, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. This is the passage of Scripture that corresponds with this fourth candle. It's called the reception candle because it acknowledges slash celebrates the fact that these shepherds who were doing their thing in their routine life as shepherds were interrupted by the Lord and they received the message that was given to them about Jesus being born. So Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, if you have your Bibles or dial it up on your device. It says, And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things which they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. There's so many takeaways, again, from this passage. There's so many lessons, so many life-giving principles that fly off of this page about what God wants to do in the lives of ordinary people like me and like you. But, But the thing I want us to focus on for a few minutes is how Jesus came to to rescue these shepherds from their routine of their regular shepherd life and invite them into a a kind of great adventure with him. They were never the same after this day, were they? They couldn't have possibly been the same shepherds after after this day. And uh, how God just rescues us from our routine. I mean, look at verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. What were they doing? They were doing the same thing they did the night before, right? And the night before, and the night before, and the night before, because they were shepherds. And that's what shepherds did. Many of you know that the shepherds, they would, they would bring their flocks together at night. So they would have individual flocks that they would lead out into pasture and lead out to water and stuff during the day. But at night, they'd bring them together and they would merge all of these flocks together and that they would take turns then keeping watch over their flocks. It would be someone's turn to watch and someone's turn to sleep. And so that's what they were doing. And they did it the same way the night before and the night before, and the night before, and the night before, and they were just living out their routine, weren't they? It was their life. It was their lot in life. 
And then the angels came and broke the routine, just shattered the routine, and said, we're not doing it that way tonight. <laughs> and they were forever changed. This is the Lord, isn't it? Just invading our routine and going, enough. Yeah, you work at the factory. Yeah, you drive the truck. Yeah, you go to the office. Yeah, you do that thing. But now I'm going to invade your routine with something so significant that it will define the rest of your life. And that's what Jesus came to do, to invade our, our routine. Let's talk about routine. Routine, routine is the predictable sense of pattern that we produce for ourselves to give predictability and order to our lives, correct? We, we create a sense of pattern. We do this at this time that day, and if it's Saturday, we do it different maybe than we did Monday through Friday, but it's still a sense of pattern that, that is a predictable pattern, and then the pattern creates a kind of security, doesn't it? There, I, I can be secure in the pattern. And it's natural to want security, yes? Of course, there's nothing wrong with wanting security. And it's natural to look for security in the context of predictability. That's natural. So routine isn't a bad thing in and of itself. Let's just start there. Routine is normal. But it's good for routine to be interrupted every once in a while, isn't it? So we remember why it is we got into that routine in the first place, correct? Yeah. Because it can be so easy to forget that I got into this pattern for a set of reasons which seemed good to me at the time, and then day after day after day, why am I looking after these stinking sheep? Right? So we forget why it was that we started the rhythm that led to the routine, and we need that to be interrupted like boom, and our eyes to open so that we can see the great adventure that God has for us. Why it is we're doing this. It can be routine to celebrate a wedding anniversary, right? I mean, come on, after 30 or 40 of them, it's like you know what the plan is, right? <laughs> it's true. But what we want to do on those wedding anniversaries is revisit in our hearts and our minds that great and glorious day when she said, I do. Surprised you, didn't it, guys? And you could, you could stop holding your breath. And you want to revisit that. It might be a routine observance of a family gathering. Maybe Christmas gathering, you do the same thing every year. And it becomes... It's routine, and then that is predictable, and it's secure, but if we're not careful, we can forget why we were doing that, right? And begin checking off boxes instead of living the power of it. The same thing is true of our spiritual lives, right? We can just get into the pattern that once had life, but now doesn't have life anymore. It's just routine. And when it becomes, when our spiritual lives become routine, then we begin to be tempted to doubt the truthfulness of God. We begin to doubt, entertain doubts, because it's not as exciting as it once was. Well, the development of routine typically has its origins in something that was real, 
it starts with something that's real. We have a real experience with God, right? And we go, I like that. And so we want to return to that. I want, I want some more of that. And so we go back in search of the same or a similar encounter with the Lord, and it happens again. And we find out that when I carve out that time and I go to that place and I do that thing, I encounter God and I find life. And so what we think is, well, and I think in a healthy way, I'm going to develop that as part of the rhythm of my life because my life has a rhythm. And I have a certain measure of control over what I do in the 168 hours that I get every week. And so I'm going to devote this period of time to rhythmically return to that so that I can have that encounter again, right? And for a while, that can be so life-giving. But as time goes on, as we repeat that, it can become ritualistic and routine, right? So it's like, well, it's 5.30. It must be time for me to get up and read my passage of the scripture and say my prayers to God before I go out and real, live my real life, right? And that's what naturally happens. We get, we get into this routine, and routine is kind of a fulcrum. It's kind of a tipping point. And we have to be really aware of what that means, because in general, routine is not bad in and of itself as long as it's life-giving. So maybe you have an exercise routine, right? And you did that because on 1 January, you said, by golly, from now on, right? <laughs> and you started lifting or walking or running or riding or whatever, and it became a routine. And it could be, uh, could be something with family routines. It could be a vacation routine. You went to a place, and it was so cool. The family was just so happy that we're going to go there every year, right? Because you're in search of a repeat of the experience. But don't we have to be so careful that it begins with something life-giving and then can degenerate into something that we're just doing? Well, Jesus came to interrupt that. I mean, there's nothing wrong. Let's look at some of the benefits and drawbacks of routine in general. Some of the benefits, routine can make us more efficient, right? Because we're not deciding what's going to happen next. We know what's going to happen next, and so we don't have to take a long time to shift that gear. And so we go from this to that, and we feel productive. That's great. Routine can create important structure in our lives. Because left to ourselves, we can kind of get sort of willy-nilly, yeah? And certain personalities are more inclined toward that than others, but... Nonetheless, routine says, I have structure. I, I like that. I know tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and do this, and that's going to happen, and it creates structure. Routine can help instill good habits. Because if routine principally comes from something that was once real and good and life-giving, well, that's a good habit then, isn't it? So whether you're lifting weights or praying your prayers and reading your Bible, it's a good habit. And so routine offers a structure that instills good habits. But routine can also help us become more proficient as well as efficient. We just get better at the thing, right? We can just get better at it because we keep doing it. 
And routine can help us to stay focused. Anybody in here have trouble with focus? Me too, right? Want to ride a bike? <laughs> Squirrel, whatever. And routine, routine can just save us from just chasing whatever fancy that we have so that we, we stay focused in a purposeful direction. So routine in and of itself is not a bad thing. But it can be a bad thing. The drawbacks of routine can be several, if you think about it. It can make us resistant to necessary change. Yeah, this is a bad one here, right? I don't do it that way. <laughs> That's not how we do it. <laughs> and this is my routine. It once came from a life-giving thing. I forgot what that life-giving thing was, but this is the way I do it now. And your change that you're presenting to me does not seem more important than the security I find in the predictability of my routine, right? So that can be a problem. It can produce a false sense of accomplishment, right? Because if you have routine with little boxes next to it, all you got to do is put a check mark in there, right? And what a day this has been. I checked all my boxes. You may not have had a, a moment of life in the midst of that, but you check the boxes, and it's a false sense of accomplishment. Routine can limit, limit our need to be creative. I love to be creative. I just love it. And I find that if I get too committed to too much of a routine, I don't give myself space for that, to think outside the box and be creative. Why? Because I got my routine to do, right? Routine can lead to monotony and boredom. Yeah? Just same stuff, different day, right? Routine. And routine can cause us to stop growing. You think about that. It could cause us, I'm good, this is my routine. I'm in cruise now. I get up, do the same thing every day, every week, whatever. We're just going to set it on cruise and we're going to, and, and we miss opportunities to grow. And I don't know about you, but I'm not done growing yet. I mean, maybe this way, but I'm not done growing. I don't want to go to heaven like this, right? I mean, when we go to heaven, are we like we are when we go to heaven for the rest of eternity? If not, I'm about a thousand years too early here at my present rate of growth, right? <laughs> I want to keep growing. I want God to keep challenging me. I want people to keep challenging me. I want to keep learning from my mistakes and my failures. Don't you? And if we get into routine, we can cut that off. Because the problem comes not with the routine, but when we begin to accept the routine as the replacement for the life-giving thing that inspired it. Are you, are you following that? And when we do that, we get into a rut. You know what a rut is? You know, it's just that ditch, right, that you're, you can't get out of. It's almost impossible to go right or left because you're in the rut. And you have to do the routine. And it's not connected any longer to the life-giving thing that inspired the rhythm that inspired the routine. Just making sense to anybody except me and Christian? He's tracking heavy, man. He's writing, rewriting his whole schedule right now. You should see him over there. Man. And the trouble with ruts is that in time, what happens is 
it can lead to empty religion in our spiritual walk. We get in a rut, and we mistake having a dynamic relationship with the Lord with saying certain things at certain times and standing here and sitting there and kneeling there and taking communion the first Sunday of every month and make sure you're in home group at least, you know, once a month, and et cetera. And so we begin to, we begin to accept the routine as a replacement, and it becomes empty, empty religion. So ask me this. Pastor Tom, what can be done? Oh, please, come on. Ask it like you mean it. Come on. I have good news for you. You can retreat. You can retreat. Retreating is running back to the real. When you notice that your rhythm has become routine, or if you've already passed that and you're in a rut, and if you become aware that your rut is empty religion, it's not life-giving anymore, anywhere in that space, it's time to run away, run away. Monty Python, anybody? Run away, hello, run away, come on. It's time to retreat, it's time to go back. It's time to go back to what was life. I mean, some of you maybe have memories of church camp experiences when you were a kid, and that might have been the last time you had life. Run away, run away, retreat. Go back to the thing that brought you life. What qualifies as a retreat? Because we think of retreat, we think of, you know, oh, we're going to go to this retreat center and some dude's going to talk and then we're going to pray and sing kumbaya and stuff or whatever your, your kind of picture of retreat is. Well, a, a retreat, what qualifies as a retreat is anything we do intentionally to bring life back into our routine. But it's intentional, isn't it? I want you to open the box, expand your thinking about retreat because retreat is meant to bring life back to our routine because we're going back to the routine, aren't we? We are creatures of routine. We're going to go back to routine. But we need these periodic, intentional breakaways from the routine that we're calling retreat. It's anything that brings you life again. Come on. So you go to the Arnold and you go, by golly, I'm never going to miss another day of lifting, right? You, you have some kind of experience that's out of the routine that causes you to embrace the life of the thing. And it can be so many, many, many different things. I mean, some of us have had the luxury of going on classic routines. Ramona down at the Abbey of Gethsemane, right? And... Kentucky, you go to the monastery, you lock yourself in a room in a silent monastery for three, four, five days a week, you enter into the life of the monks, you eat really basic food, and you spend the time just saying, Lord, are you there? And listening. And well, that's, that's kind of a high-octane retreat, isn't it? And some of you are going like, I would die if you made me do that. That's not life-giving for you. But what is? Is going on a mission trip life-giving for you? How many of you have been on a mission trip and his life was life-giving, right? It's like, dude, God was there. And then we come back and we bring that life into our rhythm and it becomes routine. And when we're at that tipping point toward rut, then run away, run away, right? Go back, retreat. 
have the life-giving experience again. It can be so many, many different things. For some of you, it would be spending a quarter in children's ministry rather than sitting in here listening to me. And you know, this is routine, maybe, you're going. You know, yeah, you know, I remember when I used to come to the vineyard and it was so alive for me and everything seemed so new and so fresh. And my son Brian says, I only have four messages. I just switch it up. He can tell you what the four are. And maybe you need a break from that. And you just need to intentionally say, I'm going to talk to Heather, and I'm going to go back there for a quarter, and I'm going to take care of short people. And you can find life in that. How many of you would say that about children's ministry? You find life? I mean, it's hard. I'm not under... Over, it's, but you find life back there in those little ones. That can be a retreat. For some of you, be going on a grocery giveaway or going to the free store with us. That's a break from the normal, right, intentionally, to go back and see where the kindness of Christ interfaces with the poor. And when you see it again, you don't have to do it every month with us, but maybe going out, you know, this, I'm going to do that this month, and I'm going to go. Last month we went to, an, we went to a, here's an example of life. We went to a new trailer park, and it was all new to us, and we were out giving our food away and stuff, and there were quite a few there, there were quite a few people there, and there were about 10 of us going down this one area and giving food away and blessing people in the name of Jesus. And as we were walking back, I think there were four or five of us, <laughs> we just kind of put our arms around each other as we're walking down, and here's what we did. Here we come, walking down the street. We get the funniest looks from everyone we meet. Hey, we're the vineyard. And then we spent the rest of our time writing, about two-thirds of you are going, what is that from? Because you don't know who the monkeys were, do ya? Sorry. But that's life. You get back out there and you... You see the eyes of somebody who needed the food, and you go, that's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm doing this. And our routine is invaded by Jesus. And we see life are, again. Are you feeling this? For some of you, it'd be come to a prayer meeting. Just come to a prayer meeting. Just come to one of the several prayer meetings that we have in the week. Just come. It would be breaking the routine, right? To just come and see if you can meet God there. Some of you, many of you have taken my DT300 class. And you remember that somewhere in that class, I assigned you to one or more people. And off you went on like a four or five hour retreat. Do you remember that? Raise your hand if you remember that, right? 100% of you always came back from that saying, that was great. 100% of the time I said to every one of you, you know, you can do that anytime you want. You don't have to be assigned. It doesn't have to be part of the class. And 100% of the time, people said, yeah, we're going to. I haven't heard anybody doing it. You could do it. You got a brother, sister in the Lord? Let's just go seek the Lord. It's a retreat. It's intention. You're making a decision to intentionally break away and find life. I went on a one-day retreat with seven other brothers from the church this past Monday. It was incredible. Me and seven other guys, we went to the Pickaway Correctional Institution in Orient and brought Christmas gifts to over 2,100 inmates. 
And you made those gifts. You had a part in it. You gave the stuff. You gave the money. Many of you came and helped pack those things for three nights. We had two pickup trucks full of these packets for these inmates. And we got together here at 9 o'clock on Monday morning, and we prayed and talked a little bit and piled into the trucks and went on down. And it was pretty amazing. Because after we sorted them all and stuff, we broke up into smaller teams. And Greg Sorensen and I were on one team. And they said, we're going to send you guys to sell Block C. And I heard one of the inmates who was up there, who was helping us sort stuff out, say, oh, you're going to the projects. And I said, well, what do you mean by we're going to the projects? He said, you'll see. He said, I was in there for 15 months, and I'm glad I'm not in there anymore. <laughs> So they picked the two right guys for it, I guess. And off Greg and I went and were pushing these totes, you know, that have all these gifts, these packets of stuff in it, you know, toothbrush and soap and toothpaste and candy and ramen noodles. Right, John? Was that incredible or what? And we went into the cell blocks. They didn't come out to get it from us. We went to where they lived. And we would, get, we would go up to the, one of the dorms in the cell blocks that was probably about as long as this auditorium is, but not nearly as wide. And there are probably 75, 80 bunks in there, most of them. And the CO would yell, everybody on their racks! And these guys would scurry wherever they were standing or doing, and they would get on their bunks. And we rolled that thing in there. And I said, hey, we're here from the Vineyard Church just to bring you guys some Christmas love. And just went down with every single one of them. I just stuck out my hand. I said, hi, my name's Tom. And they shook my hand. And a lot of the times they would tell me their name. Hi, my name's Eric or my name's whatever. But many times they wouldn't. And I'd just say, tell me your name, man. And they'd tell me their name. And we just had a moment. Just two men. The same men, one got caught. And just looking at each other for a minute, they got to say their first name, which they never say. They're known by last name or number. And we gave them, gave them the packet. We just went down and did that. I probably did that three or four or five hundred times. I don't know how many times, a lot. It was retreat. It was life-giving. I remembered why I was doing this. We're walking out of, out of one of the dorms, and there was a guy up on a top bunk in the middle. They have, they have, they have beds crowded in the middle. And uh, this guy was up on his top bunk, and the kids from the church had written these cards. They'd written these personal notes on them. We, copied them in color like masks, you know, so everybody, every, every inmate got a card. And they said fun little things on them. Like, you, you are perfect, P-U-R-F-A-C-T. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah, perfect. And I was walking by, I saw this guy, I made eye contact with him, and he said, who made these cards for us? And I said, the kids of our church made those cards for you. They're thinking about you and they love you. And this guy just started crying. 
That'll change your day. That's life-giving. Routine is invaded by Jesus, and he gives life. Retreat brings renewal and revival into our lives. And then we can return to the rhythm of our lives with new vigor. I mean, if you look at verse 20 of our text, after all this happened, it says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. So in verse 8, they're just out there doing their thing, kind of mindlessly working one day to the next. And here, they're just not the same shepherds, are they? Galatians 5.1 says, It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. <laughs> I just want to remind you guys that being a Christian is not an invitation into another boring routine. Being a Christian is not an invitation into a, another kind of slavery. It's an invitation into freedom. It's an invitation into inviting the Lord to come and invade our routine so that we can live a life of adventure with him. And this is the center of our walk with God. It's freedom. And when enjoying the experience, the encounter with God, the life of God becomes routine and starts tipping toward the rut, then there's only one thing to do, and that's retreat. We've got to break away. So I'd just like for you to just give some thought to where you are. You might want to close your eyes. You certainly may. And, you know, if you just think about life and you think about routine, would you just, would you just give yourself permission to evaluate that? Where, where am I? Where am I? Am I living a life out of encounter with God and the power of God and the company of God and the intimacy with the Father and the touch of God and the filling of the Holy Spirit and the Bible is alive in my life and I'm finding myself with a sense of courage to share the gospel or fill my capacity as a servant of the Lord in amazing ways. Is that a description of your life or would you say, you know, I just feel like I don't always remember even why I'm doing what I'm doing. I get up, I, I do the things Tom tells me to do and read my Bible and pray. I try to sing, I, I try to avoid uh, just mechanisms of sin in my life, but I, I don't remember why. So would you just think for a moment about where you are, and is it time for renewal and retreat and revival in your own life? When you think about these shepherds, the verse 8 shepherds versus the verse 20 shepherds, could you just maybe say, where are you on that grid, on that, on that line? Is it time just to say, Lord, I need a renewal. I need a refreshing. I need you to speak to me about how I can break away. Maybe it's a mission trip. Maybe it's traveling some far distance. Maybe it's just a few hours of washing the feet of the people of this world. Just ask God, what, what could I do now, Lord, that would remind me, that would cause me to encounter you in such a way that that I had life again. Come Holy Spirit, I pray, and speak to us in these moments of response and ministry. Speak to us in these deep places, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you for coming, Lord. Thank you for coming to rescue us from sin. It's in Christ that we depend. It's in the cross that we depend, Lord, and 
have all of our confidence in what he's done for us on that cross. And now we pray, Father, that as we walk the rest of this life out, that we would do it in a sense of living adventure with you, God. We would never settle for empty religion, for rut, even for routine, God, but that we would just rhythmically and powerfully live out the life of Christ that you're pouring into us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, we pray. Speak to each one of us. Thank you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need the real you. We're not satisfied any longer to listen to somebody else talk about their experience with you. We need the real you, Lord. So would you come for each man, each woman, each young person in this room right now, Father. Hallelujah. Church, would you stand with me, please? Let's have some prayer ministry people come on up to the sides and make yourself available to pray. These guys will be here to pray with you about anything that's on your mind. If you're a person here today and you say today I'd like to give my life to Jesus I'd like to become a Christian then these people will know exactly how to help you with this so as we sing you can just come to them for that or any other reason you're always free in the church here in the vineyard to come up close sometimes this means it's a very meaningful step for people just to come up close to worship the Lord